Good evening. Let's see everybody back this evening that can make it back. <clears throat> and I uh, wanted to uh, put my two cents in on uh, being here a year. Uh, this week marks the one-year anniversary, if you will, of uh, starting my ministry, not just here, but in general. Um, I'm very grateful, as I mentioned this morning in my sermon, that uh, for this congregation here, for the opportunity that I've been given to to preach um, and, and teach. Uh, when when we started uh, a year ago, I never, I, I didn't know what to expect. As Kip said this morning, nobody knew what to expect. They didn't know, I didn't know. Um, but I think it's a testament of our trust in God and allowing God to, to work um, in the way that He has planned, and uh, I'm very grateful for that. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know much more to say than that. I, I do have to say, though, that uh, yesterday's baby shower for Sarah was was very touching. She sent me a picture of, of the uh, decorations, and they were all little bow ties, little bow tie napkins, and I thought that was the, the cutest and most touching thing. Um, as many of you know, I love bow ties. Um, what many of you don't know is I actually didn't start wearing bow ties until I started preaching here. I, didn't, I don't like wearing ties, and so I thought, well, if I don't like wearing ties, I'm going to try some other kind of tie, and so I fell in love with bow ties. But nonetheless, um, I think, um, I think the, the first command up here, feed my sheep, um, is something that, you know, God has put some amazing people in my life to put me and push me to where I am today. If it wasn't for, for, uh, for a friend on Facebook calling me out for being overly political and not trusting in God when it comes to the things that I was saying on Facebook and pushing me to read the book of Daniel and a book that accompanied that, I probably would have never gone down to Kumo. I probably would have never started serving down there. I would have never had the opportunity to preach down there, to meet Adam and Lamarque and them to push me into teaching and preaching and then ultimately here preaching. And uh, as, as we will look tonight at Christ's command to feed my sheep, um, you know, it's something that we're all responsible for. We all need to be feeding, our sh- feeding the sheep, feeding the brotherhood, feeding the flock. And uh, I'm, I'm blessed to have the opportunity to stand before you and do that. Now this morning, uh, we look closely at Jesus' final commands to his disciples before he left this earth. Uh, within those commands, we're given a promise that he's coming again. And that he'll be with his disciples until that time. The scriptures paint a clear picture of what's to be when the end of the world comes or when the world is no more. So what what are we supposed to do until then? What, What should we do to prepare for the end of the world? Now, some people like to try and pick out the scriptures and point to a specific date and time. And every time they do that, they've been wrong. Um, and scripture is very clear that no man knows the date or time. So what should we do until then? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What are we supposed to do until he gets back? What he said. That's it. I'm done. No, just kidding. But really, that's, that's what we're supposed to be doing. It's the job that we've been commissioned to do. Make as many disciples as you can, teaching them to keep the commands of Christ, including being baptized for the remission of their sins. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Now, another command that Jesus gives us that, that helps us understand why this is what we need to be doing 
is found a few chapters prior uh, to this command here in Matthew chapter 28 that we covered this morning. It's found just before his crucifixion as he taught his disciples on the Mount of Olives in Matthew chapter 24. Now I'm going to go, I'm going to go back a few verses before what you see up here, back into uh, verse 35, um, just to kind of give some context to this command here. Jesus says uh, in verse 35, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Verse 36, But concerning that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark. In other words, things were just normal. They didn't think anything about this flood coming up, even though Noah was out there telling them that it was coming. But they just went about their daily routine, forget what Noah's saying, forget what's going on, we'll just continue doing what we're doing. Keep on keeping on. Uh, Verse 38 again, For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and one left. Therefore stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. This teaching from Jesus is pretty clear. We need to be always ready for His return. It's not something that I think about much, in all honesty, but it's something that I probably need to do more often. Just go about my daily routine, and I don't really think, what if Jesus returned right now? But I think if we start doing that more, if we start thinking that way, we can better focus our minds on the things not of this world but of the things that are most important. Now, I love how Jesus uh, compares his return to a a thief in the night. Now, some may say that seems kind of scary and not very productive, but I disagree. I think it paints a very clear picture of the way Jesus is going to return and and his comparison, too, with, with the ark. No one expects or plans for a thief to break into their house. No one goes to bed and goes, it's... It's the 16th, That's tonight's the night that that thief is going to break in, so let's get to bed early so that we can get some rest before that happens. But people make preparations though, right? When it comes to securing their houses, they, they install security systems, they buy guns, they, they get a dog that they think is part German Shepherd only for it to turn out to have the brain of a dodo bird. <laughs> I'm of course describing us, our family. You see, back on... February 14th, Valentine's Day, several years ago, our home was broken into when we lived in Columbus. Now, had it not been for my decision to stop off at the Christian bookstore to pick up Sarah's gift for Valentine's Day, we don't do gifts on Valentine's Day. It's a, it's a Hallmark card holiday. It's ridiculous. I should love my wife every day. Well, I stopped and got a gift. Ironically enough, we got each other the exact same gift, the exact same book. So that was probably the last year we we bought gifts for each other because our house was broken into because I stopped to get a book. Anyways, I was coming home 
And as I approached our house, we lived kind of on this like U-shaped cul-de-sac thing. And uh, there were two men at our front door. Never seen him before. It was very suspicious. And so I decided I'm going to circle the block. When I came back, they were gone. And so I parked in my neighbor's driveway, called the police and said, hey, there's something suspicious going on. Told them. There was literally a cop six doors down taking a fraud report at one of our neighbor's houses. And they said, all right, we'll send somebody out. No sooner did I hang up with them than I got a call from ADT, our security system company, saying that our back door alarm had gone off. And I said, well, send police because there's definitely someone who just broke in. Thankfully, we had the alarm system in place. It went off, scared them off, and they ran away. I don't know what would have happened had I been home. You know, had they still broken in? Would I have even answered the door? I was working the night shift. So at that time, had I not been going to the store, I probably would have been asleep or trying to go to sleep. But it wasn't until our home was broken into that we felt the need to protect ourselves with other items beyond just a security system. That's when we bought a gun and we got the stupid dog. (laughs) Sorry, it's true. Now, thankfully, our preparation with the security system aided in thwarting the burglary. And so there was some preparation that went into that. And so, too, as Jesus illustrates, we need to be prepared. We can't wait for Jesus to return to decide, oh, maybe I should start keeping his commands now. We can't wait for Jesus to come back to start making the right decisions that we need to in our lives. We need to start doing that today. Just like when we left our house, we set the alarm every day. We, pre- we were prepared just in case. Are you making the right preparations in your life? We don't know when Jesus is going to return. But we need to be prepared. We need to be humble and we need to be obedient to His commands and the will of God. Now the next command I want to look at is tied to both this command to await Christ's return as well as the Great Commission that we studied this morning. Turn over to John chapter 14, starting in verse 15. Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells within you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live. Or because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Jesus says in both his final commands to his disciples in Matthew chapter 28, in this exchange that John documents, that his disciples are expected to keep all his commands. In order for one to be a disciple, they must be taught to keep all that Christ commanded. So how are we to prepare for his return? It says very plainly there in verse 15, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If we live each day as if Christ was returning that day and that hour and that very minute that we are living in, and that we are ensuring that we are prepared, keeping His commands, and striving to achieve a righteousness greater than that of the Pharisees, the scribes, and the Sadducees, then whether Jesus returns that day or not, we can go to sleep knowing that you did your best to be a disciple, to be the disciple of Christ that you're supposed to be. Now, the greatest command that we've covered in this series that Jesus says is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And here Jesus says that by keeping his commands, we show our love for him. 
Now I know this sermon series was quite long, about 23, 24 weeks. And it probably doesn't really even fit the true mold of what a sermon series is. But it's so very important to study and understand the commands of Christ so that we may apply them to our lives, to make changes and work hard supporting one another, or rather building one another up in love and good works, pressing on toward the goal of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You know, when I started here a year ago, I didn't know how, it was, how in the world, and having never done it, I was going to prepare two sermons, a class, and a bulletin note every single week, and have a full-time job on top of it. How's that going to happen? I got back to the Word. I just read what was there, and I found applications for me. When I stand up here and I preach, I'm not preaching to you all. I'm preaching to me. You just get to hear me talk to myself. <laughs> My wife can attest I do it a lot. I can't tell you how many times I've gone over Clinton Courtney's wedding out loud to myself, preaching to myself, but I haven't written it down. I should probably record these things and write them down. Now, our final command this evening is Jesus' command to build one another up, to support one another. John chapter 21, verses 15 through 17. Now, Jesus says, at this point, Jesus has died, was buried, and was resurrected. He was with his disciples um, in his final days. This is John's account of the final days. And if you'll remember, John is the the apostle that Jesus loved, the beloved apostle that was often referred to. Um, And so he has a a very specific eyewitness account that he shares here um, that, that we don't get with the other accounts. And he says, Uh, In verse 15, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. Jesus said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Now, if you'll remember, a couple days before this happens, Peter denies Christ three times. Now, oftentimes, your Bible will probably head this section as the reinstatement of Peter. Because three times, Jesus asks asks Peter, Do you love me? Basically, to contradict the three times he denied him. But twice within this encounter here, in Jesus asking if he loves him, after every time that Peter answers him, he gives him a command. And this command applies to us as well. Now, the word that Jesus uses here is bosco in the Greek. It means to feed, or a fuller meaning in context, in terms of the feeding that Jesus is, is telling him to do, is, uh, is it's the duty of a Christian teacher to promote in every way, the spiritual welfare of the members of the church. Now, the full teaching of Christ here, when taking the context of the Scripture and looking at at the original text in Greek, Jesus tells Peter, feed my lambs, shepherd my sheep, feed my sheep. All three of those things fully encompass the whole of the church, from young to old. Feed my lambs, feed my sheep. 
So we're to feed each other spiritually and shepherd them, he says. Shepherd the sheep. Protect and feed them, basically. Now, of course, the role of shepherd belongs to that of the elders. But when it comes to what he means by shepherding, let us look to the Hebrew writer and the verse that I quoted earlier about building one another up in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 through 25. He writes, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Again, at the end of this verse, there's a reference to the end of time. Now, the actions that the Hebrew writer explains build one another up or stir up one another. The Greek word literally means incite, like incite to riot, incite to love and good works. And then later on, he says to encourage one another, which in the Greek, the word means to call to one side, to encourage, to teach, to admonish, to build up, edify, etc. So all of these things, those things to to build one another up, to encourage, to teach, all of these things is what a shepherd does for a flock. And Jesus says to feed and protect his sheep. So what is it that we're supposed to do before Jesus comes back? First, we need to recognize and prepare that he's coming back. And to prepare for this, we need to keep his commands. And in so doing, we make new disciples by teaching them to obey the commands of Christ, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're to feed them by teaching, by admonishing, by rebuking sin, by edifying them and encouraging them, protecting them from the evil of this world, by teaching the commands of Christ, by teaching them to keep all that He commands. These things can be accomplished. Now, all of the commands that we've covered in this series, these are all to be kept. Not just the ones that we see are the easiest to do, but all of them. Every command that Christ gave us was to empower His disciples, that is us, to achieve the level of righteousness greater than that of the Pharisees and scribes. It is possible to do if we are willing, if we are humble and obedient to His will and to keep His commands. Tonight, if you wish to obey Christ's command to be born again, to die to your life of sin, to be buried with Him in the waters of baptism, to be raised to a newness of life, or if the church can assist you in any way, please come now while we stand and sing.